Well, hello there. Please step inside. Pull up a stool. What type of spirit are you in the mood for? Ah, what a fine choice. Would you like that poured over ice? Or how about skulls? Welcome to the Creepy Speakeasy, where we talk about all things spooky and mysterious. So settle in, grab a drink, and join us as we dive into today's topic. Hello again, everyone. We have another great episode for you today. How are you doing, Zach? Tired. I know. 15 minutes after you wake up, I'm like, Get on so we can record! You do this to me all the time. Well, we gotta get it done so the day can continue. I know. Alright. Anyways, today's episode will be on Annabelle the Doll. But not the Annabelle many know from the movies, but the true Annabelle and some of the chilling and frightening things that have happened around the real doll. We will be going over the true accounts and also comparing some of the events that happened in the movies to the real life events and whether they did indeed happen or not. This is the story of Annabelle the doll. The true Annabelle is not a creepy porcelain doll with a white dress and demonic eyes, but actually just a regular old Raggedy Ann doll. It all started in 1970 when a loving mother gave her daughter a Raggedy Ann doll as a gift from a hobby store. Donald was a college student at the time and living with a roommate named Angie. And at first, neither thought the doll was anything special, but over time they noticed Annabelle seemed to move on her own. At first, it was really subtle. It just changed positions kinds of things that could be written off as a doll being jostled. But the movement increased within a few weeks, it seemed like it became full, fully mobile. The girls would leave the apartment with Annabelle on Donna's bed and, and return home to find it on the couch. Their friend Lou hated the doll. He thought there was something deeply wrong with it, something evil. 
but the girls were modern women and didn't believe that sort of thing. There must be an explanation, they reasoned. But soon Annabelle's actions got even weirder. Donna began to find pieces of parchment paper in the house with messages written on it. Help us, they would say, or help Lou. Just to make the whole thing that much creepier, nobody in the house had parchment paper. Where the hell was it coming from? The escalation continued. One night, Donna returned home to find Annabelle in her bed with blood on her hands. The blood, or some sort of red liquid, seemed to be coming from the doll itself. The doll was supposedly inhabited by the spirit of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle that had died on the property before the apartment was there. Being sweet, nurturing types, Donna and Angie were also nursing students who felt bad for the spirit and agreed to let Annabelle stay with them. And that's when it all hell broke loose. Lou started having bad dreams, dreams of where Annabelle was in his bed, climbing up his legs as he lay frozen, sliding up his chest to his neck and closing her stuffed hands around his throat, choking him out. He would wake up terrified, head pounding like all blood had been cut off to his brain. He was freaking out. He was also worried about the girls. A few days later, he and Angie were hanging out planning a road trip when they heard someone moving around in Donna's room. They froze. They thought someone was breaking into the apartment. Was there an intruder in the apartment? Lou crept over to the door, listening to rustling within. He threw open the door and everything was as it should be except Annabelle was off the bed sitting on a corner. As he approached the doll, Lou was consumed with a feeling of burning on the back of his neck that indicated someone was staring at you and he spun around. Nobody was there. The room was empty, and then sudden pain on his chest. He looked in his shirt and saw a series of raking claw marks, rough ditches in his flesh that burned. He knew Annabelle had done it. The weird claw marks began healing almost instantly. They were totally gone in two days. They were like no wounds any of them had ever seen before. They knew they needed more help, and they turned to an Episcopal preach, priest who in turn called in Ed and Lorraine Warren. It didn't take the Warrens long to come to their conclusion. There was no ghost in this case. There was an inhuman spirit, a demon attached to a doll. But they warned that the doll wasn't possessed. Demons don't possess things, only people. It was clinging to the doll, manipulating it, in order to give the impression of a haunting. The target was really Donna's soul. A priest performed an exorcism on the apartment and the Warrens took possession of the doll. They put it in a bag and began to a long drive home. Ed agreed to stay off the highways because there was concern that the demon might fuck with the car and at 65 miles an hour that would be disastrous. And sure enough, as they drove on the back roads, the engine kept cutting out, the power steering kept failing and even the brakes gave them trouble. Ed opened the bag, sprinkled the doll with holy water, and the disturbances stopped for the moment. Ed left the doll next to his desk. It began levitating. That happened a couple times, and then it seemed to just quit, finally laying quiet. But in a couple weeks, Annabelle was back to her old tricks. She started appearing in different rooms in the Warrens' home. Sensing that the doll was ramping back up, the Warrens called in a Catholic priest to exorcise Annabelle. The priest didn't take it seriously, telling Annabelle, you're just a doll, you can't hurt anyone. Big mistake. 
On his way home, the priest's brakes failed and his car was totaled in a horrible accident. He survived. Eventually, the Warrens built a locked case for Annabelle and she resides there to this day. The locked case seems to have kept the doll from moving around, but it seems like that whatever terrible entity is attached to it is still there, waiting, biding its time, ready for the day when it can again be free. Okay, that's the true story from the start of Donna and her friend's tale to the Warrens putting it behind glass. So now we will start on the events of the movies compared to some of the other events we haven't discussed yet. The Annabelle movies tried to create a lot of backstory for the doll before it came to Donna and her friends. The story of a loving husband gives his pregnant wife a doll as a present. The doll was most likely brought brand new from a hobby store by Donna's mother. The true doll's style and dress don't predate the 1970s. Other account from the movies was that the husband and wife were attacked by a satanic cult, which allowed the doll to be inhabited by the demon and Annabelle Higgins evil spirit. By all accounts, this never happened. Donna supposedly only encountered the spirit of the Annabelle through the doll, which tricked her into letting it inhabit the doll. Other event from the movie is that the owners of the doll attempted to throw away Annabelle, only to have her reappear back in the home. Donna and her friends never got to the point before Ed and Lorraine took possession of the doll. There is also an event that happened in the movie that never transpired. The scene where the priest takes the doll and tries to weaken the demon's power by bringing it into the church until they could determine that what could be done to the doll. A priest did indeed get involved by the turn of events that the movie takes is purely for shock value. Here is a part of the story that wasn't really in the movies. Although there is no medium or sands depicted in the movie, according to the Annabelle doll true story, as told by Ed and Lorraine Warren, the doll's owner, Donna, contacted a medium after noticing that three drops of blood had mysteriously appeared on the doll's chest and more blood was on the back of the doll's hand. The medium became involved four to six weeks after the paranormal activity first began. The medium held a seance and introduced Donna and her roommate, Angie, to the spirit of Annabelle, a seven-year-old girl who had played in the fields that existed where Donna and Angie's apartment complex now stood. Apparently, Annabelle's lifeless body had been discovered in the fields. Out of compassion, Donna and Angie permitted the spirit that they thought was that of Annabelle to stay with them and possess the doll. You also have the events of Annabelle Creation released in 2017. This movie was purely created by the film team to create a backstory for Annabelle Higgins herself. There was no orphanage, no crippled young girl, no second Annabelle doll possessed by the homeowner's supposed dead daughter, which actually turned out to be the demon that inhabits the doll of the other movies. We have the scene of the doll causing the burner to turn on in the kitchen and creating a fire that almost killed the wife in the first movie. This is fabricated for shock value as well. Annabelle was never reported to have started fires. I think enough crazy shit happened around that doll. We don't need spontaneous combustion as well. You may ask, is there any deaths associated with the real Annabelle doll? Ed Warren believes the doll is responsible for at least one death. During a video tour of Ed and Lorraine Warren's occult museum in Monroe, Connecticut, Ed pointed out the Raggedy Ann doll in its case. Many of the objects in this room have dire effects on people. People have been maimed, have been killed. People have end up 
in mental institutions because of many things right in this building. You have voodoo dolls, you have the Raggedy Ann doll, which was responsible for the death of a young man who came here one time, who challenged the doll to do its worst. And it did. The young man had apparently come to the occult museum on his motorcycle with his girlfriend for a tour. As Ed Warren was giving the tour, the young man started to mock the doll, and he ran up and began tapping on the glass of the case. He challenged the doll to put scratches on him like he had done to Lou in the past. Ed kicked the young man out of the museum. Approximately three hours later, the young man died when he lost control of his motorcycle and hit a tree. His girlfriend survived, but remained hospitalized for over a year. Well, there you go, our creepy friends. The true story and also some comparisons and variations of events from the movie. The movies are great, but remember they are theoretical and the events have been inflated for viewer shock value. There was no horned demon manifesting, only one death claimed by the Warrens and not a murderous rampage taking life after life like in the first film and creation. But even with all, all those events, the true happenings are still terrifying in their own way. What do you think? Are the events true? As told by the Warrens, or did they fabricate everything for their own gain? In 2017, one of our favorite shows, Ghost Adventures with Zach Baggins and crew, aired an episode where the original Annabelle doll was brought by a family member of Lorraine's to Zach's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. They held an investigation around the doll in a room in the museum with other dolls, some also that are claimed to be haunted or cursed in their own way. A lot of event strange events happened during the investigation, both paranormal and physical sensations fil felt by Zack and his crew. The investigation came to a head when Zack felt compelled to touch her, which no one is allowed to do except for family members of the Warrens and with great care. He could not resist the temptation, saying that she wanted him to touch her, and he ended up touching her on the leg, causing Lorraine's family member to become quite mad with Zack. No one but Zack and his crew members know if there was any side effects or repercussions for Zack touching her, but I'm sure he felt something in the days that followed. There you go, people. There is our account of the story of Annabelle. True and fictional. What do you think, Zack? I'm gonna go touch it. Of course. Of course you would want to touch Annabelle. All Open this... My ticket right all, now. All this that we've heard... Ah, whatever. It's not going to affect me. I'm going to touch it. Got to see the real shit. I'm not calling I'm not calling a priest for you when you get possessed by a demon. Demons don't scare me. Mm. Okay. We'll see. I'm booking it right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> I want I want the proof. P R O F F F F F proof. Yes. So, Tony, where can the people listening find us? You can find us by searching The Creepy Speakeasy on Instagram. Please rate and review us on platforms that allow you to do so. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that through our Anchor.fm page by searching The Creepy Speakeasy or on our Patreon page. Follow us on Instagram to keep up with date when episodes will be coming out. Also, if you have a story of your own, please feel free to email us at thecreepyspeakeasy at gmail.com. If we have enough stories, we would be completely willing to do a listener story episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Have a great day.